Welcome back to the Blasphemous Pope Cathedral. I am your Blasphemous Pope, Harry, and today's meditation is Meditation 27, The Breathable Ocean. Uh, this is a mildly exciting topic for me because this is sort of cutting-edge research type of stuff going on here uh, and applications of new technology that do have some promising um, conclusions, but we are we are not really there yet I want to make sure that uh, everybody understands that but before we do any of that type of discussion let's talk about our um, you know show notes the friends of the blasphemous Pope podcast we're gonna start with our listener supporter just a reminder that you can also be a listener supporter like mr. Vincent easily over at real Liberty media by clicking on the support link and for as little as 99 cents a month you will get a shout out just like this where i spend some extra time talking about how great you are for helping make all of this possible that is uh vincent easley over at real liberty media that's reallibertymedia.com it's a internet radio station that is focused on liberty related topics go figure um a tentative date, speaking of Real Liberty Media, for Broad Assumptions with Donna Van Meter and Amy Lynn Russell will be New Year's Eve evening, I believe. I believe they're going to ring in the new year with Broad Assumptions. Star O'Hara, uh, the host of the Extremist Being Awesome program, which is a motivation accountability group for uh, anti-state people. Um, you can get involved with that for uh, as little as $20 a month, and uh, you can do that by going to Star's Substack, Stub, Substack and looking up uh, Extremists Being Awesome there, and you will find all the information that you need to get involved with that. Nathan Frazier, the Master of the Dark Arts of Marketing, uh, you can learn all of these uh, special skills in which to manifest the future you want via Nathan Frazier in his YouTube, his Facebook, his Instagram under Success Magica. Wild Little Podcast. Wild Little Podcast is a podcast here on Anchor that uh, I met the podcaster via Twitter. Uh, her handle there is Little Nugs Bunny. She, uh, she has a podcast that is a wild ride and I believe uh, uh, she is uh she has been updating on a regular basis which is awesome christy caruana over on instagram kennedy edwards over on twitter we trade free and london gardens as well on twitter and um uh, mike witt over on instagram have all been supporting the podcast by spreading the word and i can't thank them enough uh, so, uh, as the Blasphemous Pope, I have uh, been busy doing a lot of different projects between an indoor apartment grow so that I can show people that even if you don't have property, you can produce some food, at least uh, a portion of the food that you need to survive. The composting project, the outside uh, on the balcony grow project, which is combined because the compost is where I get the soil for that. Um, I'm also embroiled in a fitness challenge, and now we're going on to the end of month two. We should be having another update 
not this week, but next week. Um, and all of that stuff you can see evidence of on my socials. And I'm on all of them, Instagram, uh, Twitter, Facebook, you know, the usual. Uh, you can also find me on my website at harryfelker.wordpress.com. Specifically, all of the Sinus Challenge stuff is going to be there until I feel I am hot enough to post it on Twitter. That might be a while, just saying. <laughs> uh, finally, before we get started with this meditation, I just want to put it out there that communication is very important to me. I, I really want to know what you guys think, what you guys um, um want to hear and uh, I would appreciate it if you guys reached out to me you can become an instant part of this podcast by simply sending a message here on anchor it's a voice message that can be translated directly into an anchor podcast so if you want your voice heard that's one way to do it if you are a little bashful or shy about using your voice you can always drop me a line on any of my social media accounts or even on my WordPress site. You can just comment on whatever uh, post is relevant to the thing that you're asking. Now, with that all said, we are going to talk about um, the current meditation. There's a little bit of ground I have to cover before I get really into it, uh, and I want to make sure everyone is abundantly clear on a lot of things. One of those things is the fact that as much promise as there is in this type of research, it's really not there yet for a uh, situation of, of human flourishing. When we get back uh, from this brief ad break, we will delve further into this subject. Hope to see you then. Thank you for waiting through that ad break. I greatly appreciate it. It's part of what funds all of these projects here. And uh, I apologize for them to have to happen. But, well, uh, I like money. You know, I need uh, I need money to fund these projects and make them happen faster. All right. So uh, before we get into the meditation in and of itself, I need to have a little conversation with everyone about water. There's a lot of talk about how there's not enough water, there's not enough water. There is plenty of water on the planet. I'm going to be talking about some very large numbers and some very deceptive percentages. The amount of fresh water on the planet, this is is liquid fresh water, um, it it accounts for about 0.003% of the water supply on the planet, meaning the rest of it is all salt water. And we see how big the oceans are, right? Now, converted to a real number, there are 326 quadrillion gallons of fresh water. Now, if we were to divide that evenly amongst all 8 billion people on the planet, 
we would have somewhere in the neighborhood of, oh, I did the math, um, 40 billion, 750 million gallons of water per person on the planet, which is enough to sustain people uh, to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years. So at 8 billion people, if the water never recharged, which it does, but if it never recharged, um, you're looking at thousands and thousands of years of survival level water. And of course, there would be an environmental impact if we were to suck up all the fresh water, but that's not what I'm talking about and that's not what I'm proposing. What I'm saying is anyone saying that we're running out of water is literally lying to you and they are using statistics to cover their lie. To give you an idea of how big quintillion is, which is you know the, the unit that the amount of water on the planet is, um, the amount of water, fresh water on the planet is 3.26 times 10 to the 20th power. That is 20 decimal places before it becomes the actual number it is. That is an astronomically huge number that most people cannot even come close to comprehending. So to be completely and utterly fair, if you're collecting your own water, you're doing almost nothing to the environment. The human um, factor of water removal is never, ever, ever in your lifetime or the lifetime of your descendants five to ten generations down going to successfully impact the water supply on this planet enough to cause a serious irreversible issue so with that being said let us get into meditation 27 the breathable ocean now what i'm talking about with the breathable ocean is collecting water from air and this is a very exciting field because there's a lot of research going on there's a lot of things going on and unfortunately we don't really have access to the things that are being researched at this point and I don't know if anyone who is alive and listening to this as it's being posted will ever get to the point where those things become public use um, currently a lot of the research being done is being done by the United States federal government or they're paying for part of it and the specific reason why is because they plan on giving it to the Department of Defense so that they can give it to soldiers so they can more efficiently murder people all over the planet. And and I get it. You know, that's that's going to suck for everybody involved. This this type of research shouldn't have anything to do with the Department of Defense, but here we are. This is this is the world we live in. Now, for the people who do still complain about there isn't enough water for everybody, that's never been the case. The case has always been it's not efficient to move enough water for the people living in places that don't have very much water. And I don't mean to quote Sam Kinison here, but um, he did a, if you are a very sensitive type, a very insensitive comedy uh, uh, stand-up routine about this uh, about people living where there's no food if you live where there is no water well move to where the fucking water is there's never water going to be there the water's just not there now this is not actually true but you know 
if you want to have an easier time of survival, maybe not living in the middle of the fucking Badlands might be for you. Now, if you do want to live in the middle of the Badlands, this is the podcast for you, but I'm going to warn you that we're going to have a talk about the efficacy of air water generators, uh, atmospheric water generators, and fog collecting, which are the two main uh, processes that we have in place that we can use as regular normal human beings and not governments that collect water. So without further ado, when we come back after this break, we are going to be talking about methodology of air water collection or atmospheric water collection. I will talk to you then. Welcome back. Okay, so first and foremost, there's really two main methods at which we can get water from air on a regular consumer basis in quantity for human survival. Now, I'm not going to talk about the little tiny water bottles that do this. They do do this. It's great. They do operate off of uh, a similar function as an atmospheric water generator or an AWG. So when I talk about that, that's really talking about the functionality of those things. But all in all, you're really just going to have these two methods to work with. AWGs and fog uh, collection, fog netting, depending on what method you're, you're using when, when, it, when it deals with fog, really determines what you really want to call it. I'm just going to be calling it fog collection. Now first and foremost let's talk about the the technical one atmospheric water generators uh, this science does work this science does pull water from the air uh, much in the same way as a dehumidifier pulls water from the air uh, there are many products out on the market uh, they vary in price uh, it's usually for a home model somewhere in the neighborhood of two grand um, and for industrial models, you are talking about significantly larger amounts of money. Um, now, uh, what happens with this is it condenses the humidity in the air and stores it for use. That water is absolutely potable, absolutely drinkable water. Uh, the home systems are generally like water coolers, basically, and they can produce somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight gallons a day. Um, now, the refrigerant version of this, now all of these are going to be powered versions, by the way. Uh, it, atmospheric water generators use electricity. Uh, the refrigerant version of this brings the air temperature down below the dew point and then the water condenses and gets collected. There are systems that do use desiccants. 
uh, like silica gel and whatnot to extract the water from the air. Um, I am unsure exactly how they work, uh, but they do exist, they do work, they are valid, they, they do produce drinkable potable water. Um, the other method, fog collection, uh, was first found in nature. Uh, to be fair, na anything that we've done, nature has probably already have done this first. So, first and foremost, we're going to talk about redwoods. Now, uh, fog netting in and of itself is very similar to what trees do, and uh, the redwoods of California, specifically, uh, this was seen, this was also seen uh, throughout uh, uh, Mesoamerica, uh, and I'll get to that later. Uh, so, uh, what redwoods do is they have these pine needles and in um, the climate where they grow sometimes it doesn't rain for very long periods of time but there is a lot of moisture in the air and what happens is uh, moisture collects on the pine needles gets heavy enough drops to the ground and that feeds the roots uh, this is very similar to uh, fog netting where you construct a net that collects water from the air um, the other example of this, and this is something that is being studied uh, as far as improving fog netting and improving other methods of water collection from air, is the Namib Desert Beetle. Uh, they have a mixture of hydrophobic and hydrophilic um, compounds on their shell, and what happens is they, the shell actually routes water from the air that condenses on the beetle's uh, outer shell into its mouth like directly and and this works uh, particularly well for uh, a creature that exists in one of the most arid climates in the world so there is sound theory behind this and it's seen in nature so I guess we can uh, put away the whole well this isn't this isn't science this is science fiction not science fact it is actual science fact um, I do want to talk a little bit about efficacy I did talk about this uh, briefly with the uh, AWGs. Uh, an AWG home model produces somewhere in the neighborhood of about eight gallons a day, which generally means it's not enough um, to produce enough water for regular home use. Uh, will you have more than enough drinking water for your family? Absolutely. And if that is your primary concern and your or your only concern for water, well, great, you, you've got that covered. Uh, it is clean, chlorine-free, and fluoride-free water. Um, if you have the money for that investment, I'm very happy for you. Uh, but you do have to remember that is power-dependent, so you are going to have to have a source of power. Um, industrial units produce anywhere from 260 to 2,600 gallons a day, depending on their size. Of course, the price of these is reflected in that size. Uh, and that... Um, obviously would be enough for a small community to survive but again there's a power requirement there when we come back we're going to talk about the efficacy of fog and uh, do a little comparisons
welcome back. Alright, so efficacy of fog collection. Now, fog collection is very dependent on the environment you live in. If you live in a place that is mountainous right off of uh, a large body of water, something like Morocco uh, or um, the Smoky Mountains in the United States, uh, you will encounter a whole lot more fog uh, in those types of places, which means you will have a much more densely humid area to deal with, and the efficacy increases greatly in those types of places. Um, another place, uh, Ukraine, is also a, a, another place for uh, severe um, success with fog collection. Um, to be completely fair, uh, one of the ancient attempts at fog collection, uh, well, all of the ancient attempts at fog collection have, uh, by man have happened in these uh, very dense, humid environments. Um, we can, we've seen evidence of uh, Incans milking trees, basically is what it's, uh, what it's referred to sometimes, and that would be, uh, they put buckets underneath uh, large trees and every morning they would come and there'd be water in the buckets and that's uh, a method of fog collection. It's basically using that, that effect that the redwoods use to water their own roots to collect enough water for the community to use. Um, in Europe uh, we see uh, 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 in England there were dew ponds. Dew ponds is another form of fog collection as well as there's uh, ancient stone piles that uh, exist in Ukraine which are, have been thought to be uh, uh, water collection units used by ancient people living in Ukraine. Um, so this thing, it, it's, it's a time-tested method, it, it works, but it's very uh, uh, climate dependent. Uh, in an arid climate you're looking at about 0.01 to one gallon per meter squared per day for like a fog net or for any type of apparatus that mimics a fog net like a stone pile or whatnot. You're looking at a very small amount of water for uh, a th approximately three, three foot by three foot space of collection, which means that in an arid place you are going to need um, a lot of water collection unit space to collect enough water to survive. Um, now, to be fair, if you are in a survival scenario and it's just you or you and another person, you probably could uh, rig up a system to basically give you and the person you're with enough water to keep going, but it's not going to be enough water for you to uh, survive in any type of contemporary style of life or any uh, type of long-term situation. Um, now there there are reports of improved uh, improvements on this uh, spe specifically environmentally related but none of them have actually been uh, properly documented. I mean it's it's anecdotal at this point. So we can't really go, okay, but, you know, if you are in the Yucatan where it's super humid or you're in the Smoky Mountains where fog, there's fog every day, you're going to get X amount because it's never really been quantified. And it, I, I think that that's uh, a failing on the part of people exploring these methods, but that's uh, my opinion. Now, 
as a comparison, both of these methods are climate dependent because they are dependent on the overall humidity. Uh, it will barely put a dent in the actual humidity in the air because uh, of uh, volume specifically. But um, they are climate dependent, so humidity is a factor. If you uh, do not have uh, uh, ambient humidity or you do not have enough ambient humidity, you are never going to get enough water out of the air. Um, now, as far as a space investment versus productivity, AWG is definitely a winner there. You are going to have a much smaller unit for your uh, atmospheric uh, water generation. Um, you are going to have a smaller unit than you would of a fog net. Uh, fog nets, you're generally going to be looking at like uh, hundreds of meters squared in order to produce enough water for just survival. You know, or, or just uh, 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 stationary survival if you're not like on the move. Uh, the perk about fog as opposed to the AWG is it requires zero power and zero special special knowledge. You can uh, you can literally set up a fog netting system uh, by tying netting to a couple of trees. You don't need uh, any special knowledge of of technology in order to create one of these. Um, uh, AWG is far more expensive and fog generation takes up tremendous amounts of space. Um, so if you're considering this as your option for water collection or a part of your solution for water collection, you really need to take these things in consideration. Thank you for coming back. This is the final segment of this podcast, and I appreciate your time. And um, we talked about methodology. We talked about efficacy. We talked about comparing the two options that we generally have available to us as uh, normal people and not governments or militaries. Now we're going to be talking about some other options. These options are experimental. I'm going to put that out there right now. They're not finished products. These are experimental products. They're products in the process of being worked out. Some of these products, most of these products, are being partially funded by the Department of Defense. So, therefore, they are probably not going to be available for public use for quite some time. First and foremost, and this is the most dedicated to government use or Department of Defense use, is the Oasis Stone. This is literally funded by DARPA. Now, they use a mechanism. Their, their, their composition of the Oasis Stone is uh, not released. 
and they are working on improving it to improve the efficacy of the Oasis stone. But the whole idea is they create this inorganic slash organic crystal that pulls water right out of the air. It forms a high pressure ambient temperature ice crystal inside of the stone and then simply heating up the stone a little bit creates, uh, allows it to release the water. Um, if you have a large group of these, you could potentially uh, compete with uh, an industrial water generator. Um, there is a water from air passive generator that has been wor being worked on by ETH Zurich. Um, what it uses is uh, silver and layered glass, uh, a silver radiation shield and layered glass to create um, an environment where the temperature within the unit drops naturally. It's completely passive, doesn't use any power, and it supposedly works 24 hours a day. Again, this is experimental. Uh, we have no real proof to this pudding. We just have their word for it. Um, University of Texas uh, is working on a solar project that incorporates hydrogel. Um, basically, hydrogel is uh, a form of desiccant that will suck water right out of the air, just, just like a desiccant would, just like a dehumidifier would. Um, and then uh, using solar power will excite the hydrogel to release the water. And again, completely experimental. So we don't know if it actually works as well as they say it does. But again, this is another very promising uh, methodology, especially when you consider using that hydrogel to transport water because it would be a more stable way to transport that water. And then finally, the, the last experimental thing that I, I, I could actually find was uh, using carbon filaments. It turns out um, carbon filaments basically work the same way as a fog net does, but you don't have to have it all stretched out all over the place. Um, the, the carbon uh, filaments, the small spaces between them, uh, actually capture water and can be encouraged to release that water. Um, but again, this is science that's in its infancy. They literally just a couple years ago, I think, discovered this. Uh, this was a uh, this was actually a, a process that happened. So, yeah, we're we're talking last year that they that this article that I'm reading came out. Um, I will link the article in the, in my website, harryfelker.wordpress.com. Um, and uh, you just look up Meditation 27, mm -hmm. The Breathable Ocean, and uh, the link will be there along with um, some links about air water generation, uh, atmospheric water generators, fog netting, and what have you. Um, I just want to reiterate a point I made at the beginning. I want to make sure I nail this home for everybody. Uh, if you are using uh, water from air technology, um, I am sure it is only going to be a matter of time before some environmental psychopath decides that you're going to suck all the water out of the air and everyone's going to die at every point in time, not any point in time, every point in time, the Earth's atmosphere has literally 3.7 quadrillion, that is a million billion, that is um, 
uh, a quadrillion is one followed by 15 zeros gallons of water vapor in the air at every point in time this is something that refreshes consistently it comes straight from the ocean it comes straight from every body of water every form of evaporation feeds into this you're never going to run out of water in the air it's you, you breathe out water vapor <laughs> so there's that um we have to understand that the amount of water on this planet is extremely huge it's unfathomably huge and we need to stop listening to people who think that they know better than us on how the environment is reacting to our existence if we were that harmful or we were a shadow of as harmful to the existence of the environment we wouldn't be here thank you for coming i greatly appreciate everybody who comes and listens to the blasphemous pope podcast and i hope to see you or at least hope you hear me next week Bye.